You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always typical lydia today's show we're going to be doing the 2010 chili classic frozen it is a chili classic i can't think of winter horror without thinking of this and i put it off for so many years so many years and it's partially it wasn't because i knew that this would terrify me because this really hits the Lydia horror button of being fucking cold. I've been complaining about cold. I complained about cold last year. Every time I watch a movie with the cold, I get extra on edge because this is a death sentence for me. I mean, if if you think that these people made bad decisions in this film, if they would have had me along, it would have been a whole other burden. Maybe, but also I think your desperation would make you like Lydia a woman of action. Well, I was already a woman of action while we're watching it from the couch because unlike most horror films where I can keep my mouth shut and keep my woulda, shoulda, couldas to myself, yeah. I can't help it with this one because I got a plan, man. I got yeah. a plan to get out of this kind of shit. You were fucking straight up like Monday night uh, or Monday morning footballing. You were like fucking backseat driving. You were... You were telling characters in a horror movie. I've literally never seen you do this. We've watched 140, like, just for the show. Just for the show. Just 145 movies together. You and I have watched more movies than that together because we fans. Yeah, and we're probably, like, over 200 movies, but I've never... No, you sit quiet. You sit quiet, and sometimes you laugh. And gang, she doesn't laugh at jokes. She laughs when something really sad happens to people. That's that's (laughs) what I do. That's... (laughs) That's the best part of going to a theater. <laughs> That's the only good part of going to a theater. Is that I laugh when I damn well want to, not when everyone else tells me I should be laughing. Yeah. There's no applause sign over Lydia's eyes, folks. No. But either way, I can't help it with this movie because I have a plan, you know. And not to be so current event here, but there was a horrific bus crash just last night Mm, just outside of where i live exactly just down the road from where i work like Mm. we could both probably hear sirens for an hour while Mm -hmm. this was happening Mm -hmm. it was really tragic three dead 20 some injured Mm -hmm. probably 50 Mm -hmm. people mildly injured yeah the photos Um, hundreds of people shaken up oh yeah the bus was fucked up oh it was horrible it was a double decker bus crashed crashed into a station westboro station here in ottawa and i take the bus every day a couple times a day yeah and um, Chris had said something not out of unwarranted concern, but just like, oh man, I'm so glad you weren't on that bus. And that is terrifying. And that, that, that makes me a little scared that you have to take those buses. Like, are they safe? Cause he's doesn't, you know, he's not acquainted with the bus service here at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I right away ran down my plan of like, that's why I wear my strap like this. This is why I don't have my phone in my hand ever. I usually have my phone in my pocket, not just like handy somewhere. It's going to go flying. So I know that when I crash, if I live, I'll have it with me. I'm going to hang on to whatever bars I can with both hands. And I don't care who's in my way because that's the only way that I can think of how to survive a goddamn bus crash. Like, and I think about it a lot. And I think that that relieved him somewhat that I have a plan. Yeah. Right. 
when it comes to getting stuck on a ski lift, which I'll never end up on a ski hill again in my life. I mean, are we fucking kidding here? <laughs> you never know. Uh, you never know, but I'm pretty sure I know that I'll never end up on a goddamn ski lift. Um, but I've got a plan. And I had wanted to watch this movie, and I knew what it was about. And I really like the man versus nature like thing going on in this movie. As much as I like backcountry, as much as like 47 meters down, I like that you are a helpless idiot out there mm-hmm. alone for the most part. And even before going into that, I I'd like, well, seeing this movie I knew, and for almost 10 years, I didn't see it because I am a helpless idiot. And it wasn't till two years ago, I was taking a bus late at night home from North Bay and I watched Frozen on the bus. And anyone that knows Northern Ontario will have an idea where I'm talking about coming up the highway uh, 417 up to highway 17 to the 417 you go through Mattawa and I had just started the movie as we were leaving North Bay so about 20 minutes later we're rolling through Mattawa past the ski hill and it's late at night and there's probably wolves howling outside the bus (laughs) and it was a big snowstorm kind of like worried I'm going to be delayed getting back home and it's already late because you get on that bus from North Bay to Ottawa at two in the morning so it's the wee hours and I was watching this movie, and just as the ski lift stops, just as the lights start going out, I'm like, hey, there's the ski lift right outside the window of the bus. And the lights went out on the ski hill in real life in Mattawa. And I was like, ooh, scary. It's but, good. It's good uh, atmosphere. It's like if you were reading a scary book and the window, the, the windows are rattling just so because, you know, the wind's blowing and you kind of feel like you're immersed in that it would be almost as if you were like maybe watching like the woman in black in a particularly like wet foggy day or something yes, like that that's exactly <laughs> it and that's my favorite like that is my favorite and taking the bus ride the last time that i had a really atmospheric thing like that was listening to the uh vince lee the story of the bus beheading the greyhound beheading uh, mm. a four-hour podcast special along on the bus mm-hmm, ride on mm-hmm, a greyhound bus mm-hmm. so that was fun this was even more fun because being frozen out in the cold is a very stark and particular fear of mine. Mm-hmm. Well, you have the what was the name of your condition again? Is- Raynaud's disorder, or right. Raynaud's phenomena, or Raynaud's disease, if you want to be dramatic about it. But mm-hmm. Raynaud's phenomena is what it's normally called, mm-hmm. and it's all the little capillaries in your extremities will spasm and shut down. Mm-hmm. And not only cold, it's triggered by cold, and it's exacerbated by cold because you need the blood there to warm you up. Um, it can be triggered by stress. It can be triggered by lots of stuff. People that have vibration injuries have Raynaud's phenomena, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't necessarily have a trigger. Those capillaries can spasm for a number of reasons. They're just mm-hmm. totally disordered. And with mine, I mean, uh, about plus 10 degrees Celsius is what triggers it. Anything below that definitely does. And so I'm prone to frostbite. I yeah. joked about having gangrene set in if I were in this position, and it probably and, would. And 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 honestly, from someone you know, the people around you that care about you, keeping you warm is our fucking priority <laughs> in life. I feel is there something that we can do to to make her permanently warm at all times? Um, because it's fucking scary when you say like it's it's not something like oh Lydia's cold she's a girl she's always cold it's fucking <laughs> terrifying to see your fingers turn blue they fucking turn black like it is not cool 
it's not cool to see your friend <laughs> in that state. It's not cool because you know how uncomfortable being cold can be and how uncomfortable frostbite can be. Mm-hmm. And it basically is frostbite. And you know how painful that can be. And you know, like you look at it and you can visibly see like half of my hand is white and the fingertips are turning blue. Mm-hmm. And it is perfectly comfortable. And the rest of my body is perfectly fine. Yeah, it's it's like, just like sometimes you're like that. Dying. And I'm not even wearing it like a jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking, it's just, it's a, so I know that when we're talking about horror, there is a very real fear for you when it comes to things that are cold. And that's how come I think, whereas podcast hosts by our own personalities and preferences, high key will shape what our podcast is. I think that you and I really emphasize winter horror Oh yeah, because of the fact that it's something that when it's the winter months, you sort of submerge yourself in the very real danger. I mean, like, listen, cold will kill all of us, but it'll kill you first. It's very true. And I would be, like I said, a burden in a scenario like this, like really, really bad. But maybe like you pointed out a boon because I would have a plan to get the fuck out of here and get the fuck warm. And yeah, I would also though be useless from the get go. I shouldn't be in on a ski hill at all, but I do have heated boots and heated gloves and all those little accoutrements. Yeah. They really, they they keep me functioning, which is awesome. It's almost a disability. Like we're not going to, kid around here yeah uh if it were any more escalated it would be Mm -hmm. at this point it's functional yeah but it's the same sort of fear cujo's a scary movie if you have asthma cujo's even scarier yeah if you don't like the sound of children and you don't like the heat cujo is a terrifying fucking movie (laughs) yeah and if all they have to drink in there is milk yeah it's a gross out film then (laughs) But yeah, it's those those buttons can be pushed. And yeah, as horror fans, we're desensitized to a hell of a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So we can watch, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm just going to peck bone tomahawk and not blink an eyelash when yeah. somebody gets torn in half. Mm-hmm. Or watch Terrifier and same thing, not even blink when someone gets torn in half. Yeah. We're watching it from like, almost like a scholarly distance. Like, mm, yes, it's going to be very, very interesting entrails, <laughs> Lydia. <laughs> exactly. I'm swirling a brandy, you can't tell. <laughs> He, he swirls a brandy often on the show, people. He does. But, yeah, um, when it comes to things that genuinely terrify us. I've heard other hosts that don't like uh, eye trauma. So whenever it's a film like that, people get very zoomed in on those mm-hmm. things. And, yeah, we zoom in on winter horror. We're also Canadians. We are. Yeah, we're supposed to be immune to this, aren't we? No, we fucking hate it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've. What was the first thing I said when I fucking walked in the door today? I was like, sucks monkey fuck out there. It's so cold. It is so cold. And and, and I love that we're watching this movie when this, because, you know, be honest, like from from a normie who's got, you know, regular old blood flowing through his veins, and actually, according to a lot of people, runs pretty hot. I like today was fucking cold and this winter has been pretty mild on us so far, but all of a sudden it hits minus 34 with the wind chill yesterday morning. And it's not as cold as that right now, but it's still pretty fucking cold. Yeah. It's horrible. It's probably why it wasn't as cold for this movie in sunny Utah or (laughs) sunny New England, wherever they were supposed to be, where Mount Holliston, the fictional Mount Holliston is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But it was probably like, I'm not going to, I'm trying to not be an asshole here, but it probably wasn't minus 34 Celsius. No, probably not, honestly. But I mean, there's, there's, there's extra layers to that. They're high. 
there's higher winds up there. There They're not moving. So there's that factor. So sitting still is very cold. Something like the wind speed increases five kilometers every hundred feet or something. There's a formula for that. That Mm. may not be accurate. um, But I had learned that a long time ago. And that's why you can see the tops of trees just whipping in the wind, Mm -hmm. like tall trees. And it's not so bad on the ground. But yeah. And you can get horrific frostbite. Mm-hmm. at not that cold of temperatures like, yeah it's not like pogo nip <laughs> we uh, there's frostbite warnings for us though in sometimes in the dead of winter where they tell you not to have exposed skin for more than 15 minutes yeah and they're well, up there for how long days yeah. so it, it's a uh, pretty serious shit and when it comes to winter horror in you and how it really affects you i always liken it to how genuinely eerie film set in the woods freaked me out because I'm afraid of the woods. Um, I can go to the woods, but I won't thank you for it. (laughs) (laughs) And if you were stuck in the woods alone, especially with like animals and noises or uh, knowing that you were in vast wilderness, like maybe we should do backcountry next. If it wasn't so cold out still, backcountry is really a summer movie, but backcountry. Yeah. Yeah. There's, (laughs) well, (laughs) He's getting tense. <laughs> yeah, I don't like like even like for me movies um, like The Edge, like that Anthony Hopkins film where they get stuck up in the mountains and like they get eaten by a bear and shit. Like that's fucking like backcountry man. Yeah, you gotta, like that, that's, back country. <laughs> that's that's the type of shit where I don't like. And there's and I have um, an irrational, perhaps irrational, ingrained fear of being. Uh, eaten by some kind of apex predator. I think it's because I'm such a big person and I take pride in the fact that, you know, I'm a big, uh, strong guy, but I know that compared to a lot of animals, they would just kill me. Like there's really, even, even if I think that in my lizard brain, as I call it, if, if a wolf came at me, I would, I'm like, I'm like King Kong. I would grab it by its jaws and just like fucking rip it or something like that. Uh, like I like would be fucking capable of doing that. I don't think so, but in my brain, just like how I have a plan too, lids for our frozen scenario. Oh, you do. I got a plan, and don't you worry about it. Don't you fret because your boy here is going to leap from the lift. Oh yes, grab onto a pine tree. Oh, of course, slide down the pine tree. Yes, snow cascading and land both feet firmly on the ground pine needles and snow dancing around me and i just look up to you guys and i give you a nod like it's gonna be okay then the wolves come and i'm running down the hill boom fucking punch one of the wolves right out boom punch another one of the wolves i grab one of the wolves by the tail swing it around boom boom, throw it over the horizon and i'm just like huffing yeah (laughs) that's my plan I added some things to that. Yeah, you did add some things to that. Because it started out with just like, grab the tree, man. Just Just grab grab the the tree. tree. (laughs) And now it has has grown into this comic book. It's great. I like this. I like this. Speaking of comic books, Teresa, doing very well. It's doing very well. (laughs) Broke 5,000 views. Uh, We're hitting 120 subscriptions soon. Uh, Probably by the time this is aired, because every day I look at it, it's going up. But, um, and... Chris has given me uh, a bunch of pages. They're fucking awesome. I'm really kicking his ass with trying to make things as challenging as possible. He's a really good trooper. Um, does not complain when I show him a page, and he's and and he's like, "This is very complicated." I'm like, "Sure is, pal." So uh, get on her. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a refreshing challenge for him to 
Yeah. yeah. So I'm, and I'm really, really happy. Um, and I've seen covers for issue three. Oh, wow. So, and it's really fucking cool. So I'm excited. High fives to Chris McGarren for that. That's, yeah. And you, of course, I guess. Well, I do the writing. That's yeah. the easy bit. It's, uh, it's the, the art is really what's drawing people in. And listen, as I told him, I was like, the art's what I used to promote the book. So. Oh, completely. I <laughs> yeah. know what you mean. Like, you could describe it to a comic fan until your face turns blue and they're going to want to see it and it's going to only make sense and it's only going to sell it when yeah. they see it right so exactly yeah. that's awesome that is awesome but yeah um i like your plan and i believe that you could pull this off Wes. It's like swing the wolf by his tail throw it on the horizon explodes yeah take some of the rib bones from that exposed wolf like just start hacking at other wolves and i just i'm just a fucking badass yeah i'm, I'm a big sure, bird that'll I'm, work it's not like you would jump off the ski lift and break both your legs or anything like that no, no, no are you kidding me it. i drink a lot of beer that's really good for the bones i hear oh sure it is. <laughs> sure it is oh my god <laughs> Yeah, no, I would be a liability out there because um, anything, like I said, over plus 10 Celsius, mm. I'm going to probably be a liability. Uh, I would have frostbite way sooner and not on my cheek. I would have it on my extremities. But we're giving away all kinds of shit about this film, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. What's this fucking movie even about anyways, Lydia? It's about Sarlacc pits. And dogs named Steve, ex-girlfriends, and guy time, third wheels. <laughs> You're describing what might be uh, my nightmare of having to go to a late 90s, early 2000s, Tony Hawk-inspired skate jam comedy teen romance film i know doesn't it sound like that and it, there's elements of this somehow there, there, there's there's a montage in this where i literally feel like i'm i'm about to like rachel lee cook is gonna come skiing over the hill and 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 shit like that like that's the kind of movie that it seems like in parts and when you're watching those scenes you start thinking to yourself oh this is so deceptive because it's going to get so bad for these characters. So very dark and fairly quickly. And that's not being punny when the lights turn out. Um, that is part of Adam Green's charm. And Joe Lynch to a certain extent. But Adam Green is really the boyish imp of the two. Um, <laughs> the Both filmmakers. Adam Green is the filmmaker here. Joe Lynch, not the character in the film. Which is just adorable that Joe Lynch is Dan's best friend. And I'm surprised his name isn't Adam. And uh, Dan Walker is... Joe's best friend, mm. <laughs> much like Joe Lynch in real life and Adam Green are best friends. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, they worked on a comedy two years after this called Holliston. And I guess that that was a pet project or a dream project or passion project of, of theirs or his for a long time. I've never watched it and I really ought to because I am an Adam Green fan mm. to a certain extent. There's things I'm uh, Adam Green's misunderstood to me to a certain point, but there's something like this dog conversation about dogs named Steve and a lot of the dog conversation and the sadness that the female character gets about the dog. Um I often find the the one odd quirk of Adam Green that I'll never quite understand is his love for his dog. He has this little dog that he's named Arwen and I dread the day for him that Arwen dies. Because the horror community will mourn on his behalf. But even even this um, obsession with dogs that really, I noticed it a lot because when I was traversing dating, online dating, I mean, 
so you have no idea how many people's profiles are just, I like dogs more than people. Uh, if you don't have a dog, don't even talk to me. Uh, if I'm swiping on you, it's because you have a picture of a dog. Dog, 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 dog. People buying houses for their fucking dogs. People loving their dogs. And then when you even challenge the idea, if you even, if even the thought, because they, it's they, the thought police are on you with dogs. If you even think that it's a fucking dog, like you will be crucified on a cross these days. So honestly, uh, Parker having like breaking the fuck down thinking about her dog at home alone while <laughs> things are she's got bigger problems at this point but her losing her fucking shit and then adam jeans like obsession with dogs i'm like this tracks this is this. it tracks and you know what else tracks the joe lynch character had a dog named steve and it was a so Steve Tyler, I'm thinking. Okay. Okay. He's also a big Aerosmith fan, which he admits when he's talking about his girlfriend. He does. He's, he's been to five shows. His ex-girlfriend was to eight shows. I know. And Adam Green's dog in real life is named Arwen, who okay. is played by who in the films? Liv Tyler. Whoa. 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 Mind blown. You're, you were literally the, the, the crump board with like the threads yeah, all right. over the place. I'm a mathematician. I'm an Adam Green mathematician. You know what? You want to hear another good one? Yeah, sure. In the lineup when they're in the canteen area. I don't know what you call it. A chalet is what I would the call chalet, it. The chalet. That's what yeah. they are, yeah. Um, there's a guy getting food in line. He's wearing what kind of shirt, Wes? He is wearing a twisted sister t-shirt. Or now, long shirt. Yes. In... Holliston, the comedy, it co-stars Dee Snyder. Dee Snyder. Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. Yes. You want to know something even more fun? Go for it. The bit actor, the no-lines actor, the non-union actor, I guess, who is playing the dude wearing the Twisted Sister shirt in the movie we just watched, Frozen, is Dee Snyder's son. Really? I know. Isn't that adorable? That is conspiratorial conspiratorial yeah anyway <laughs> it gets deeper oh god how where is kane hodder in this film kane hodder is driving a snowcat he is a grooming machine yeah where else is kane hodder in the adam green universe kane hodder plays victor crowley in the hatchet franchise and wouldn't you say that a trail groomer is just a whole bunch of machetes, not unlike Jason Voorhees' a not necessarily often chosen weapon? <laughs> wouldn't you say? Oh, my no. God. <laughs> I'm just getting stupid now. But, yeah, it's just such a neat little fucking horror village mm -hmm. built up on this uh, Mount Holliston. Didn't you tell me that the, the ski bunny was, Shannon was Adam Green's ex-wife? Yeah. 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 Who's also in all the... Hatchet series. I know, right? It's yeah. just a small, weird, incestuous, dog-filled little planet. Mm -hmm. A lot of these actors, by the way, have their hand, their toes dipped in the horror world. Um, two different actors, both uh, Emma Bell and um, Kevin Zegers, both Walking Dead alum. Ah. He's in Fear the Walking Dead now. She was in the first season of Walking Dead. Do you want to know else what uh, Kevin did that makes him... Capture my heart forever. Oh, I was gonna say a horror heartthrob. A horror yes, heartthrob. Well, you know what a horror heartthrob, but it's a little weird because he was a boy when he did this. Oh. Voiced uh, numerous episodes of the Tales from the Crypt animated series. Oh, lovely. Yeah. yeah. That would make your heart grow two sizes today. Right? Yeah. I'm very, very excited about that. Also, he was in Wrong Turn. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. yeah so I did recognize him from that. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you look at all of these people, Sean Ashmore, I mean, very famously for comic book fans. 
Iceman. Oh, <laughs> fitting. <laughs> fitting. Weird. This is, this is maybe his dark origin that he doesn't talk about. That makes sense. Like he came back. Uh, he's like, ah, I have ice powers because I froze to death or something. Now I want to like dissect the very small cast, the very, mm. very small cast, mm. dissect them and make these like weird thread diagrams that you're talking about. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like horror mathematician. Yeah. I was like, we're going to get our tinfoil hats on. And we're just going to start picking apart the uh, Greeniverse. The Greeniverse. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, you could probably have it all spelled out for you um, if you were a fan of the Movie Crypt Horror Podcast. Because Adam Green is also a podcaster. Joe Lynch and Adam Green have a pretty good podcast. I don't know if it's still running because I haven't listened to it in a couple of years. But it was long running. Uh, Chris had turned me on to it. Very good show not only about horror sometimes rarely about horror but about filmmaking and following their various projects it's it's a very very worthwhile thing you know i get like threatened when other people have podcasts and stuff my my lizard skin flaps come out like i get threatened when we have to talk about people freezing to death in the goddamn snow (laughs) anyhow so it starts out as this bro comedy thing. I don't know. It's not a comedy. <laughs> no, it's it's not a comedy, but it, it definitely starts off as a, a young person drama. And one of the things that I will say, the dynamics of this cast, because what you have is girlfriend, boyfriend, new girlfriend, um, in a, a, being brought into what is considered to be bro time. Now, I've experienced this in my life. Um, I've been a congor for many years and when we would go to cons, anytime anyone started dating somebody, they would always get this notion, well, can I bring my girlfriend along? And sometimes it would be, in a, we'd be in a position where you kind of, they would be in the doghouse yeah. if they didn't let them go. But it's like, you don't like this stuff. You don't want to go and you think you want to go, but do you really want to spend a weekend with a bunch of musty nut sacks while we like look at anime titties all day. You know what I mean? Like you don't actually, you think you want to go, but you don't want to go. Yeah. And then when they go, like now one of our, our buddies is off somewhere and we don't see them for the entire weekend. And it, and it goes, well, we kind of all wanted to, and I'm guilty of that too. I've definitely like done that myself. And so it, it turned into a strict, like no girls allowed I've like, seen bands adopt that rule, and it's nothing against any of the band members' girlfriends if it's an all-male band. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the times, it just makes things a lot fucking easier, yeah. if, especially if they're not into the music, especially if they don't like the bar scene. <laughs> Actually, I did date somebody briefly ages ago, a very a good friend. Like um, One of those things where we kind of shouldn't have dated. We just should have just been friends because he's really cool. He was a ski patrol person, but then turned into a snowboarder. Oh, God. Yeah, came was over his to the name dark Cody side. or Brody? No. Or- no, Jody, just Dave, no. Okay, no. just Dave, no last name. He's like, just call me Dave, bro. But I never like went out in the snow ever or anything. I was like gonna that, say, so, like, I yeah. can't picture you being like a ski bunny. But this would be the sort of scenario where if he was like, yeah, I mean, the guys are going because they did often go snowboarding, mm-hmm. and him and female friends of his would go snowboarding all mm-hmm. the time, and I would just like, I would have bowed out if I would have continued dating this person. Um, but like, if Chris had banned things to do, I would be. Well, I'd probably go. <laughs> like, but you know, it's not. Someone shouldn't take an affront to that, and that's a number one, you know, red flag. I think in a relationship, and there's, there's a, that's a big red flag in this relationship. Although they seem to get along, it's not about mm-hmm. their relationship at all. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't have fucking come. But yeah, well, and, and it puts strain on on the the two friends because on the on the one hand, it, Dan has the position of 
well, this is my girlfriend and it's a fairly new relationship. Like into a year into the relationship, we want to spend a lot of time together and I don't want to upset her and I don't see the problem with going. And, and, and then you have Joe who is feeling like the third wheel because it's like, well, instead of now our ski trip, it's your ski trip with her and I'm just kind of here. Yeah. And, and the, somebody made a really interesting point, you know, uh, psychologically speaking, the, the friend groups that we have, the, the inner circle, the, 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 like all the types of different relationships, the relationship you have with a parent versus a best friend versus a partner versus your neighbor down the street versus the person that you buy groceries from, et cetera, et cetera, like in this huge web. Um, they don't know the same version of you. Yeah. No, no one knows the same version of you. And as real as you feel you are as a person, people get different kinds of you. The people that I work with do not get the same uh, kind of person that you get, for example, which is why sometimes I get anxious when coworkers tell me that they listen to the show. They always say nice things about it, and I appreciate that. But I also know that I am a completely different person on the show than I am at work. Exactly. And it's not that you feel like a different person or you're projecting as a different person. You're in a different environment 100%. Yeah. I am a different person uh, as a teacher at the college. Mm-hmm. I'm a different person at work. And yeah, we've had coworkers. And most recently I've had coworkers say they listen to the show and it's it's awesome. I just hope that they would never be surprised. And I hope your coworkers would never be surprised. And that's the worst thing. It's one thing when somebody says, hey, listen to your show. Or if somebody were to listen to your show and be like, oh my God, Wes, yeah. what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot handle you. You used to, like, if my students were to hear me fucking swear. Whoa. Yeah, because there's just a different social expectation that they have of you because yeah. you are an authority position and school is a very regimented uh, environment. So you can't be sitting around saying like, fuck, 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 fuck. We've got a job to do there too, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, you've never come on the show and started arranging vegetables. <laughs> no, I haven't. Yes. As much as I'd like to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyhow. Yeah. Oh, I digress. Yeah. The relationship here doesn't put so much of a strain and the characters actually work around it very realistically it doesn't stay completely you know like the joe lynch character doesn't stay completely angry at parker for the duration yeah they have probably known each other casually Mm -hmm. during like whatever time that built up to this particular Mm -hmm. day and whether she is the true third wheel here or not and other th- events happen that do create a really big rift between them for a few moments. But the intensity of the situation that they're stuck in together pulls them together as human beings, whether they're friends or not. Mm-hmm. But they do do that very realistically, I think. One of the criticisms of this film is weak acting and weak script writing and, the, and weak relationships between the people. And I don't think that that's true. I think it, it's acted very well. Yeah, I don't agree either. Yeah. I, I've read those criticisms as well. And I just, as a boy, like they pe- people must have watched a different movie than I watched because I don't. And, and because here's the thing, they have realistic conversations, but what I think they're saying in terms of the writing is that they are not taking, in my opinion, the easy route. It would be very easy to have Joe butthurt for the entire fucking movie. And then as they're sitting there on the lift together, uh, because they do an interesting dynamic here. They don't do what I would consider to be the obvious thing. They do the not obvious thing. They remove the person that binds them together as people. And now they're the uh, at first. And then there's just the two of them. Um, it shows them... Because it, it, it would be easy for them to just have arguments 
that have don't matter at all about fucking anything about well you came in and you stole my best friend and I'm mad because this is supposed to be our ski trip when there's a survival situation going on they do have one conversation that's kind of about that but it's a it's a brief conversation it's an intense conversation but it also is predicated on the death of one of the characters so it makes absolute sense to do it that way yeah. but then once they have that conversation it's over like they do not readdress that conversation and whereas i feel lazier writers would just be no this is this is and and i think that's what maybe general audiences might have expected as opposed to no 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 like they're they're trying to survive they're not going to be like well but my boyfriend i was like well <laughs> your boyfriend's dog food so <laughs> Exactly. I, I think it also comes across as, as very realistic from the get-go all the way up until those final conversations. Mm-hmm. And at the apex of it all, where she sort of offhandedly proves her worth to the person sitting beside her who had chided her for not being one of them, for ruining their time, for coming along and not being interested in this skiing thing anyway, and not having anything in common where he seems to hold that very dear, having something very, everything in common with a girlfriend. He hasn't dated anyone since he broke up with the girl he had everything in common with. So for this new girlfriend of his friends to not know what a Sarlacc pit is, is a travesty. I love dating advice from people in my life that have literally never held a fucking relationship for more than five seconds. Exactly. So yeah. inspiring. Isn't he great? But <laughs> she pulls the Sarlacc pit quip out of her pocket at an opportune time that may go unnoticed because there's other things happening. There's Isn't other, there, Wes? <laughs> there's other issues, we'll say. Yeah, there's other issues. So you may not notice that that, although it may seem trite, is really um fantastic writing i think like mm. it is very written very strongly so i don't know where all this criticism comes yeah, from and or I what mean, movie they were expecting yeah and also like a lot of these actors even at this point have have been acting for years mm-hmm. so i don't you know what i mean like i don't know like it's, it's i don't know maybe like, they wanted a different reaction from the female and i think that a lot of that is unspoken criticism of her i haven't read that deeply in all of it but her reactions are maybe someone expected something different i don't know maybe they wanted less crying maybe they wanted more crying i don't know but i thought that she did very very well and one of my favorite things is when they're first trapped she doesn't like heights she doesn't like being out there she doesn't like any of this it seems yeah but she was like biting her tongue and keeping it in because she was having a good time with these two friends of hers boyfriend yeah. and friend who yeah. she doesn't hate she doesn't, no, she doesn't hate, hate the joe lynch character no, not at all but when it becomes apparent that they might be stuck out there because just to backtrack because we've wasted all sorts of time yakking they weasel their way onto the ski lift. They haven't bought lift tickets, which are only in real life $115 a person for the whole day. They've ended up paying $200 for three of them to weasel their way out there illegally. Yeah. Anyway, so they have taken the last run up. Mm-hmm. Right before they weaseled their way onto the last lift, they had put the marker flag of an empty lift. So about maybe 10 carriages away mm-hmm. is where the end last ride is marked and the person manning the ski lift gets switched off twice mm-hmm. or called away once and switched off to a useless person <laughs> and there's other workers on the ski hill that aren't really aware and communication gets crossed that there's three more skiers on the hill 
And then you turn around and see three more skiers come down, which are not our three main characters. They're still on their way up the hill. Mm -hmm. The words should have been there's three more on their way up, not three more on their way down. But anyway, so they are up there with nobody knowing that they're up there. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's the end of the weekend. So the ski lift gets shut down and all Mm -hmm. the targets shut down. So they're stuck on the ski lift and there's a storm coming in. Mm -hmm. As soon as they realize that all the lights are off, no one is up there. She has this moment where she has a total panic attack because she doesn't like heights. She doesn't like this. She needs to get back. She wants, she doesn't like being up there. She doesn't like that they weaseled their way up there anyway. And she's covering her ears, her eyes, her mouth, her ears, her eyes. She doesn't know what to <laughs> block out. You know, what is the offensive, scary thing? Because there's nothing that she can do. And that's before the shit has really hit the fan at all. They've just realized they might be stuck up there for the whole week. And she, flips out but Mm. without screaming or crying or yelling it's great i think it's really great i I think that's her most shining moment Mm. she has many more to come but that is her initial panic reaction Mm. love it very genuine yeah i agree i and and i think that in the in this initial moment when we've seen the, the chairlift uh stop before and chairlifts have to stop um sometimes when people have a difficult time getting on or off or for whatever reason, chairlifts have to stop. Sometimes there's too many people on the hill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, when you go up a chairlift and you get to a certain point where they're at and things, you, you realize that you're kind of fucked. And they were in a position where they were forcing their way for one last ride. One last ride. Where they just want to fucking just go down and do some serious skiing and boarding and, you know... This is where the street involved and the cool kids of snowboarding and skateboarding co like exist with jocks that I just it makes it's so cringeworthy. But yeah. It's pretty cringeworthy, yeah. and and especially when they look down when they're going up and they see the what the the ski lift operator will think are the last three people coming down and they're like hitting their jumps and doing their slaloms and fresh powder. Tubular. I thought you said you skied, man. I have skied. Um, that actually brings me to the point. I've actually ridden in chairlifts a lot. Uh, when I was a lot younger, I used to go skiing uh, as part of my school. Like it was like a school trip, and like you would, you would give the school money, and then they would take you skiing. I think once a week. Like I think Friday, we would go, and it was really fun. You would go with all your classmates. And you would just rent skis. Sometimes people had their own skis. And then uh, you would stay there until dark. And I was not a particularly strong skier. I was like Parker, where where it was just... I remember the very first time I ever put on skis, I started sliding towards another human being with no idea how to stop, no idea how to do anything. And I was just like, I can't stop. And I smucked her and we both fell over and I just kept apologizing profusely. And she was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, and that hurt my, my, my wee boy pride because you know, like you're like 11, 12 years old. Like you just want to look cool in front of girls, not hit them with your skis. <laughs> so, and the first time I went up a chairlift, I have a problem with heights too. Hmm. And chairlifts, they rock. They're cold. They seem flimsy. Um, and when you're looking down at the tops of those trees, nah, nah. I didn't like it at all. I got used to it over time. But I remember the first day, and I was really fucking 
I need to emphasize, this was a very bad skier. In fact, I was so bad that they needed to get me a private instructor the first time I went because I just have a hard time learning in group environments. You know, I have an ADD and so on. I don't get something right away. And so when basically it was like you started the day with ski lessons and then towards the end of the day, you were allowed like some time for free skiing Yeah. Uh, and that would take you into the nighttime. And I remember getting to the top of the hill and falling so much and then I couldn't get my skis back on the latch. I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I walked down the fucking ski hill the first time. So I was, I was like 11 years old and I walked down the fucking ski hill and it took fucking forever. That was that's the deceptive thing. I've been on um, a, a cousin of mine building a snowboard run, and that you can rip down it in moments. You have to walk down it in forty five minutes. Yeah. you said yeah. It took about forty. It, it took about forty five minutes for me to walk down. Yeah. And I remember one of the my teachers. He was on the 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 chairlift, and I remember him calling down to me like, "Don't." like wait like stay down there like once i got to the bottom and then you know he took me and tried to like show me how to like he like basically kept doing like did more lessons with yeah. me so i wouldn't and what how, i had and sn- deal with your bindings yeah yeah i had snow on like i it was snow all jammed up in my thing i couldn't it so i couldn't clamp down is what the problem was i didn't know that um i was little yeah no exactly that's the learning curve of skiing and yeah. snowboarding and all that junk <clears throat> yeah so yeah, so it took me, but it, fuck, I was, and, and, you know, halfway through, you think it's fine, and you know that if you just keep walking, you'll get to the bottom of the hill, but it's so deceptive how deep that snow is, it's so de- deceptive how steep the hill actually is, and, and how- And when you're with a pack, like, because everyone's going up in these small packs, right? And yeah. As soon as you're away from that, it's so lonely and desolate, and there's no one really around. Yeah. It's very strange. It's also very strange. I don't know how I got there by myself, but I definitely did, because I had friends, but I don't know where they were. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't remember now. Well, if you had a problem with your biting, and they just went down the hill, then poof, you're alone. Yeah. For 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Because that's just the way it goes. Like the last ski group, these three people go down moments before the lift gets stopped in mm-hmm. this, and that's the last humans they see. Basically, mm-hmm. like they were there a second ago, and everything was fine, everything was normal, and then all of a sudden they are absolutely alone, stranded in the middle of nowhere, quite literally, minutes after seeing somebody. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's how ski hills operate, I guess. It takes four seconds to get away from the very top of it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it's pretty fucking uh, scary and intimidating when shit goes wrong. And And so that initial reaction... When they're not panicked, eh, you know, one time I was up here and, and we got stopped for like 25 minutes. It was it was crazy. But, you know, like they started again and it's fine. But the second the lights go out. that's Then they start trying to reinforce. Well, they know we're up here. They know we're up here. They said that they know we're up here. They, they said that they would wait for us. They know that we're up here. They're not going to leave us up here. They can't just leave. They're, they're just waiting for us. It'll start again. And maybe it's a power outage. They have all these like little reasons. Then they see the groomer coming up the hill. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you worry because Kane Hodder is here to save the day. Yeah, he sure is. No, it's one of those things that's so frustrating where he goes up a little bit and then he gets called back down and every single fucking time, because they throw their helmet, they throw skis, they throw snowboards trying to get this guy's fucking attention. And every single time they do, he's 
turning the other way, backing up, and then he stops. He's like, did I see something? Look, look, look. Nah. Fucking turn, and and it's almost like a fucking sitcom moment of of just like these the, these double takes. Like, yeah, I didn't see nothing. Nah, nah, nah. It's like fucking Three's Company or something. But you also know as a viewer that it's just not going to pan out because you have an idea of what you're in for with this film, and we're what 20, 20 minutes, twenty five minutes in, maybe at the most, and of course he's not going to see them. Of course. There's a conversation, Lids. With these guys. Um, Joe likes to ask a lot of weird hypothetical questions. I fucking hate people like this. Yeah. So. It's one thing when you're having a conversation about horror and like, who would win in a fight, Jason or Freddy? Uh, that can be fun, especially when you're young. But when it's a serious situation, when somebody starts doing what this character is doing, mm-hmm. I will be the first to tell them to knock it the fuck off. <laughs> Earlier... When it's still kind of fun in games, he's talking about what do you think is the worst way to die? <laughs> Dan tells a story that actually is pretty interesting and a little bit of foreshadowing because he talks about getting eaten by a shark. I have a, fe- a fear of getting eaten by a big fish. I think I've talked about it on the show before. But this idea of getting swallowed by something so impossibly large. I have a weird fear of the extinct shark Megalodon. Oh, good. It's so big. And it's kind of that exact, I'm imagining myself swimming. And then I see these points and I'm like, what are those? And I have just enough time to process that is the teeth of an animal so big that the circumference completely covers me. And it just hits me and just swallows me. And I... And I just don't even have time to process it. And now I'm like under the water and now I'm getting digested and that's the end of me. Um, he talks about it in another, in another term, seeing the fin of a shark first and knowing that it's going to kill you. And that is the scariest part without actually being eaten and, and shit like that. So he's telling this story and he's like, really? Like, it's almost like in Jaws with like Quince where, where it's yeah. just like, the eyes roll over, and he did, and some bit of what I did. Like it's like that type of shit. Um, and it's like the camera's like really close on their he's face. Very serious, and he's envisioning yeah. this, and you can tell that he's given this a lot of thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This isn't the first time someone's asked him the worst way to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Joe kind of fluffs it all off, but now they're in a situation. Uh, and even Dan trying to reassure Parker when she's nervous, she's like, if something happens, we'll just jump. I've done it before. It's not that high. It's not that high. Um, well, I liked Parker's idea too. Cause she right away starts with fire, which sounds lovely to me. You know, so does the cremation of Dan <laughs> McGee because fire versus snow always wins for me, but <laughs> she doesn't like the whole burning to death thing. That's like mm-hmm. the worst way to die. But then she takes it to, uh, 9-11 footage and mm. how she'd watch that for three days nonstop and just the fear of the people that had to jump. And could you imagine knowing that you have to jump and knowing you're not going to make it, but you're not going to make it here because your choices are burning to death or jumping. Mm-hmm. So she has something that sort of leads into the rest of the story as well as far as the jumping from a high. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Joe's and, always uh, counteracting with, no, you die of smoke inhalation before you burn to death or... <coughs> Or, no, 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 you're, you, you're so scared when you're jumping from that height, your heart will stop and you'll be dead before you hit the ground. He, and you always got an answer for everything, don't you, like, motherfucker? Between that and the whole, like, 
What's your favorite cartoon character? What's your favorite breakfast cereal? Fucking stop it. I would stab him right in the temple. Annoying as shit, this guy. But, I mean, that's just lots of people, I guess. He he calms down and becomes more reassuring later. Totally. He totally does. And I get that he's nervous. And I get that that's what he does. But he can just do it in his own head or something. Well, the ski lift has stopped. The lights are out. And, baby, when the lights go out... Shit gets sexual? I've got nothing. No, No, it can't get sexual because pretty soon they're going to be full of of piss and blood. But anyway. Piss and blood and wolves. You know, let me ask you this about, did you know that there were critters in this movie? Yes, I did know there was critters in this movie. Like, I knew knew that they got stuck on a ski lift. And I knew that the cold and frostbite were very stark players in this. And that was enough. And then... What had really sold me was how much I enjoy films like Backcountry and films that are like Man Against Nature and things like The Grey and like things like The Revenant. I really enjoyed that. I watched that well after this, but um, I do like films like that where the cold wins, Mm. unfortunately, as much as it makes me quiver, but when animals win. And although the animals don't necessarily win or lose in this movie... They behave like animals, and it's got furry puppies. Mm-hmm. So you get to see the furry puppies. Yeah, I didn't realize it. Um, this film really reminds me a lot of when you have survivalist type scenarios. The Grey is a really good example because, uh, and it was so funny. I remember when I first saw that film, The Grey. I saw it in theater, and I remember thinking, I was like, "Oh, that's actually pretty crazy." But I'd never really considered it like a horror movie. But I know a lot of people were putting it reviews of it on horror websites and i was thinking i was like really is this count i was like it's just kind of getting eaten by wolves but i was like well it's pretty horrific well, the ghost in the darkness doesn't really count as a horror movie unless you're really into that sort of thing was ghost in the darkness lion was it the lion it's that tigers. was a tiger man eating tiger gotcha gotcha yeah. um and also in and around this time the film open water maybe they were lions i think in the actual story the lions but anyway Open Water. Yes, the film Open Water, where you basically had uh, a married couple that gets stranded on a scuba diving uh, adventure, I suppose, and vacationing. And then you it's essentially just 90 minutes of watching these people get eaten. Yeah. Get eaten by sharks. Yeah. That's what this fucking movie is. And it's horrifying. They don't linger on this aspect of frozen the cold is the primary danger that is what is that is what is constantly nipping at them constantly wearing them down constantly just their number one enemy is the cold but this long night is going to end in a very gruesome way beyond the fact that dan in desperation and just all right we're we're going to freeze and the cold has gotten to the point in which we're going to die. The storm has come through. Frostbite has started. Frostbite has started. And they're pretty bundled up. But I mean, Parker has lost one of her mitts already. Um, she has a lighter. I don't know why they just don't like hold the lighter for a little bit. That, you made a fantastic point. Aside from they could start a little fire and cook up some tea or something. I don't know. Um, they are dressed for skiing. They have collars they could put up. They have hats they can use for They can multipurpose their scarves. They have had fucking mitts until somebody dropped one getting a cigarette you know they they are foolish with their resources at the beginning but then they don't 
use what resources they have effectively going forward. Mm-hmm. And it's so fucking annoying to watch. To not even put your collar up. To not even put your hood up. Whoa, annoying people. Yeah. But Let alone it, they have a lighter. Yeah, they have a lighter. They have a lighter. So there's, there's, there's resources out there. You had made an even better point where with their combination of their clothes and their gear, they could fashion a rope and get down. Yeah, in the daylight before the wolves became a thing. Yeah. Because the wolves do become a thing. The wolves, I, I, in case we haven't spoiled it entirely. Yeah. There's wolves in the forest surrounding. Right. And you can tell that they have managed to... Uh, the ski lift area is right in and around a wolf pack's hunting ground. And, I mean, wolf pack's hunting grounds are very vast. Yes. So... Uh, and they're probably very used to this place being populated. And, I mean, uh, these dogs know when one of us is coming home. They can tell time to a certain extent. My cat used to be able to tell time. I'm sure these wolves can tell fucking time. As soon as that ski lift is closed, it's theirs again for the whole week. Yeah. And they run wild. Now, if anyone's interested and wants to refute this, I posit that you could take a snowboard and attach the bindings to the lowest point that you can on the chairlift. And attach the other bindings of the other snowboard to the bindings of that snowboard and have almost like a little ladder. You could probably hand over hand down that. And if that didn't get you close enough to the ground to drop without hurting yourself, they all have jackets and ski pants. So one person could give up their jacket and one person their ski pants so that they could trade off if they have to, if they become stranded still or remain stranded, so that they could have two snowboards, well, a snowboard and a half worth of length between them and the chairlift and tied on to that uh, jacket and tied onto that a pair of pants. It doesn't need to last long if something rips. It just needs to get one person down. And b- by the way, if one person gets down and they drop their snowboard and they drop their skis, that person's going to be down the m- mountain in like four minutes. Yeah. So they have a lot of opportunities to do stuff. Again, this is a shoulda, woulda, coulda, but this is not what the film is. Yeah. The film is watching people... And and honestly, there is an aspect of the reason why I think you'd be good there. Not only because you'd be like, it's it's time for action. There would be time for action in your mind immediately. Whereas I, Mister, I'm I run hot, and I'm sure it'll be fine. Wait it out. Wait it out. I'll, I'll wait. It's no big deal. Yeah, wait it out and hope for the best, or hope that somebody's going to come up where me. You know, you a half an hour if I had lost a mitten. I mean, I'd have my hand in my armpit at least or yeah. something, but still, I, even if somebody is due by in the morning, I might not make it with all my limbs. And yeah. I would rather risk my little ladder <laughs> yeah. and to try and get down than mm-hmm. losing limbs. Thank you. Exactly. And Dan now realizes that he's got to act. And he's probably acting not only for his own self-preservation, but also the fact that his girlfriend has is developing frostbite already. Yeah. He cares about her. They got to do something and he's going to jump. And they kind of they kind of tell him not to do it, but at the same time there's an aspect and I fucking guilty. I'm not an altruistic person. I would be saying, "Oh no, don't." But then in my mind I'd be like, "Well, better you than me." Well, there's a there's a point where you have to be like, this is your decision. This is what you want to do. You can't stop people forcibly. Mm-hmm. I there's... can tell you what can stop someone forcibly. Oh. Hard packed snow. Oh, yeah. It's like concrete, man. You ever see someone throw a beer bottle off a cliff into the water yeah. and it just shatters? That's what I feel like this is a lot like. Man. 
there is no worse way I could imagine breaking your legs than how this guy is. Both legs, bone snapped completely, penetrating through the legs. They're at awkward angles. He can't feel them. He is fucked. Have you ever seen bone protruding, that sort uh, of yeah, fracture? I have. At a, not at, a, at a tournament for jiu-jitsu, I've seen a guy with bone poking out of his uh, calf. We were walking by a football game when it happened, so of course we stopped to watch. But oh, my. Yeah, it was horrible. It was really fucking horrible. And yeah. They do it fairly well in this, but it's even more gory and visceral when you see it in real life. But... I mean, I guess we have the ski pants sort of hiding the real damage. Yeah. Thankfully. And the real damage. And now he's got his own problem. He can't move. And, and his friends, uh, what can they really do? Because what are they... Like, I mean, Parker gets this notion that she is... I got to go jump down there and save him. Very noble, but you're not thinking because look what just happened to him. Yeah. You can't... What are you going to do, land on him? Yep. For t- <laughs> Little lemmings. You're going to have a lemmings and that's the end of the movie. It's a short film now. This is... <laughs> Joe rightfully points out that they can't. They sort of lamely toss their scarves down so he make can make a tourniquet, make a tourniquet and, and they're trying to give him... Well, they can't just sit there and be like, well, Gus Wolves will eat me and just sit there. Yeah, because they almost instantaneously, they start hearing wolves howl. Yeah. And... When he's there and in and he's he's like okay and they're trying to like joke that's where Parker makes Sarlacc pit jokes and shit you know they're trying to like keep his spirits up and but even they're also trying to like get him to like can you slide down the mountain can you slide and he's like no I can't slide that damn mountain he's like I'm bleeding to death and I don't really know what Dan thinks he's going to do because he can't stay there. Um, I would have loved to see him try, but even seeing him reach for these bandanas that they're throwing down as tourniquets, like he is in way too much pain and he may be damaged a little more than just his two broken legs. Yeah, I mean, he it, can't move. He can't, he can't really move. And while there's blood in the air, there's bone in the air. And when he, f- f- he looks up one time, after hearing those howling and they're trying to reassure him, don't worry, man, wolves are pussies. They're more afraid of you than you are of them. There is one. They don't even get that big around here. Yeah, right. That's a, they're coyotes, not wolves. No, yeah. they're fucking wolves. Yeah. Um, so they chase off the one wolf by throwing a snowboard down at it. Yeah. And, you know, that would scare off that one wolf. But it turns out that one wolf was a scout. Uh, so there's a lot more than just one wolf out there. Oh, but. yeah. And you know shit's going down because they scare off one wolf and then you immediately hear a howl. Yeah. So what do you think it's doing? It's yeah. it's calling the rest of the yeah, pack. Yeah, it's rou- rousing the troops, definitely. But in the few minutes between the first wolf and the wolf spectacular mm. that we get treated to, um, Joe decides that he's going to shimmy back if he grabs the cable he can go back to the next chair lift and then maybe the next one and there's a post and all the posts have ladders so he can just shimmy along the cord and then get to the post and take the ladder down he gets maybe two feet away and all of a sudden shimmies back into the carriage to sit with parker and tell her to not look because he has seen the wolf spectacular. He's seen the wolf pack. The there's probably ten wolves at least. Yeah. Surrounding Dan, and he is terrified, and he just he's just screaming up like, "Don't you let her look! Don't you let her look!" And he just kind of pulls his hat down over his face because you can imagine 
he's this is almost the scenario it's not a shark but yeah. it's that moment when you're looking at something that is absolutely going to eat you and you can't do anything about it his legs are broken he can't struggle he can't do anything there's uh, there's like 10 wolves what are you going to do these it's are the landlocked winter version of being stranded at sea and having a shark come at you it's being stranded yeah. in the in the woods while the wolves come at you and yeah it is exactly his fear so and they eat him good there's some gushy noises he's yeah. screaming she's screaming she wants to look really badly um morbid dark i like it parker keep like go with those instincts in life i just think that uh the the the, the guys are just really trying to protect her from this there's a weird coddling of parker that uh, from joe even afterwards where she's kind of like a lame baby, like she can't take care. Like she doesn't have. Well, that's the- a weird coddling of Parker through the whole thing. Like I don't really want to dwell on it because I don't. It's not my job to dissect the feminist point of view in films. Yeah, true. Just because I have a vagina and yeah, you do half size tits. That <laughs> I'm like not. It's not like I am the spokesperson for women when it comes to that shit. Yeah. Um. And I also just defer to someone like Amy or the girls on Faculty of Horror. They yeah. do a much better fucking job of this. Yeah. But her character is quote unquote problematic. And that's a word I really hate because it's tossed around without any mm-hmm. weight behind it. And it's often used as a placeholder for there's something wrong with this that I can't put my finger on. Yeah. <laughs> I could put my finger on a lot of what's wrong with Parker's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it, it rings true, unfortunately. For her and millions like her. Yeah, I was going to say, even though there are aspects of Parker that I personally would find, like, in a partner, I I would not be interested in because... uh, You know, and I think of it, can you replace her with Dick and Balls? Yeah, the younger brother. Yeah, the younger brother. The whole movie works. But that really is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, But but that being said, she exhibits a lot of of other practical thinking that the other people don't have. Um, But... That all being said, fuck all that. Dan gets eaten the fuck up. Not all of them, though. Fingers we see lingering through the snow. I wish a little more fingers were out the snow. She looks down to where his body was mm-hmm. and sees these fingers a couple times. Refers to him, if not for guidance from beyond the grave mm-hmm. or what. But it would be nicer if there was a little more hand sticking out. So it'd be like he's reaching up to her like, help me eternally. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. And that's when it's just... The interesting dynamic of you remove the boyfriend yeah. and you leave the people who... I, they don't hate each other, but there is friction between them because... And they're not really friends. It would be like if if I were to, I don't know, like trick some woman into dating me and then like we all were hanging out and I died. I got eaten by wolves. And then you had to hang out with like some person that you don't really know. You only knew through me, and you're just like, wow, this person's a stranger. Well, it's a little different when you can just be like, well, uh, that was awkward. See you. Now I'm yeah. going to attend to my friend's funeral. I don't yeah. know you. Ha! But yeah. you're stuck with this person. And beyond their not really knowing one another, not really appreciating one another, uh, little petty things like that, mm-hmm. they have this conversation not long after Dan is dead mm-hmm. about whose fault it is. Yeah. And... Uh, Parker comes at him and he really shuts her down, I feel, just because and 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 honestly, it's probably the truest thought. You don't need death to have this thought about one of your bro broskies finding a partner in life and then all of a sudden that person thinking that somehow 
they like I, I had a roommate and he started dating this woman and she like I would joke with him and I would like say teasing things to him and shit like that and she would just give me these death sta- a death stared fucking like I don't approve of like how you're talking to my man and I always just like rolled my eyes and was like shut the fuck up like I'm sorry you've dated him for like six months I've known him for a decade fuck you yeah, you just got here yeah you just got here it's like I'll say what I want yeah actually yeah. and sorry I get like fucking like really because that's how I'm like yeah you fucking tell him he's it's like you've dated him a year I and, and, and not doubting your love but like let's have some perspective here you just lost your boyfriend of a year I lost my best friend of my entire life like I've known this guy since I was a child and he got eaten by wolves like and and you have the audacity to sit next to me and say it's your fault you didn't stop him from from jumping and he's like you didn't stop him from jumping and 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 again Parker realizes like it's not she doesn't dig her heels in and what I like about this conversation it's a really intense conversation it ends in them still comforting each other they're just upset exactly and without spoon feeding the audience by saying you're just saying that because you're emotional here let's hug for body warmth because we're going to freeze to death otherwise Um, you realize through her acting that she is just overreacting and over emotional and things are coming out of her mouth that she doesn't necessarily mean Mm -hmm. she's just trying to process this and it's an insane situation yeah like and and you get that and it really is a really good example of those sort of reactions people have to death that aren't even their loved ones by wolves at their feet yeah like it's a heinous way to watch someone you love die oh my I couldn't even imagine. And who knows what people would say, what crazy shit was spill out of people's mouths. And I think that the Joe character does a really good job of keeping himself fucking contained. Yeah. Without just pushing her off the goddamn yeah. left, right? Because he could have and would have been in his right too. But I mean, this sign, this, yeah, I know, it's just like throw her down. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this conversation, uh, uh, Sean Ashmore, like he's, he's so good in it and he's fighting back tears, but yet they're still forming in his eyes. Anyone that says that this movie is not well acted i don't know what i then i don't know what good acting is yeah and i literally do not understand (laughs) because this is a very real conversation you can feel the emotion you can feel these characters really hashing out the biggest problem where he explains the fact that you shouldn't have been here you don't really like skiing you just had to bring yourself into all this stuff we would have done our like double black diamond fucking sick jumps and then we would have gone home as opposed to babying you on the bunny hill all fucking day. Uh, and, and again, that, but th- again, this intense real conversation where they're at each other, th- it's that conversation. And then that's done. Yeah. Because they have way bigger, more important things pressing like the frigid cold that will freeze them to death. And the fact that the wolves are still down there. Uh, yeah. And so, but don't worry. A day's going to break and that sun's going to really help out free, uh, from your hand. Your hand being frozen on a thing. I couldn't imagine. She had lost her mitten lighting a cigarette, which, I mean, any smoker or toker could totally relate to that, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But she falls asleep with her hand on the bar and it freezes to it. I cannot handle the thought of that because she recovers fairly well like a normal human being who has fucking functioning capillaries would. That right there is a death sentence. I would probably have. It would be black. It would be entirely black. I, I didn't. I, there would be no me removing my hand from that. I bet you'd lose your fingers for sure. Oh, for sure, minimum, guaranteed. Minimum, lose your fingers. Yeah. I'm surprised that that, that uh, like with how cold they make, they really make Parker look fucking fucked up yeah. in this movie more so than Joe. I feel. Yeah. I mean, I guess Dan would be the most fucked up, but like. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's in pieces. But uh, yeah, I guess like the Joe character has um, facial hair. Right? He's got facial hair, so but he doesn't have a, a little... he doesn't have a a, a a a sign of virility like I do. No, he does not have a giant cookie crumb. Does that you catch whole sandwiches in that? You could catch a hoagie in that. I think maybe maybe hoagie maybe. Catcher. But yeah, like a, a beard. He doesn't have a full on beard. He has a, like a stubble stubble. Yeah, like, but it's something. It's something. It's something on the face, but. They're not bundling up over the night, and they definitely fell asleep out of sheer exhaustion mm-hmm. and adrenaline drop, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, waking up, though, with your hand on bare metal, terrifying. Whether it was frozen right to it or not, which she does a very good job of removing her hand from that bar. I really love the almost mannequin-like look of her hand. Yeah. And the way that they've just glossed it with a little Vaseline or something. So you can yeah. tell that skin is taut and frost burnt as hell. And she goes to lift it up, and the whole T-bar comes up with her hand, and it's just like a mannequin hand. Oh, oh, it's yeah. creepy. Takes a good couple of layers of skin off. Yep. It's adorable, too, that as soon as the Joe character wakes up and says, are you okay? She, like, puts her hand in her pocket. It's like, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, she's like, I'm fine. No, you're fucking not fine. Yeah, oh as well, you can see chunks of you on the fucking guardrail, so. But you know what? Worse things could happen. So he did, he sees that. He regards her. She's saying she's fine. It's mm-hmm. very similar to his reaction of like, okay, you think you're going to jump, best friend? Go ahead. And by the way, uh, his hands are skewered to shit because he did, when he was climbing that cable, yeah. in, in the most buck wild way possible. Because we were you and I were also like, there's better ways to do that. You can do this <laughs> and you could do this. Yeah. And I was like, why are we doing Why Why are we like this? Um, so... <laughs> But his hands are fucked up. Like, they cut right through his gloves. Yeah. Um, so he's not doing too hot either. But the day does give them a little warmth. And now the sun's high. They're able to recoup and talk and discuss. And they have a few more deeper conversations about, hey, Joe, why haven't you ever dated? And he talks about this ex-girlfriend who would rather be with somebody else and and the dean the frat guy story is just so goddamn annoying to me yeah it's not that interesting because again i don't really see what it's um alluding to or what sort of is enlightening it it is just an excuse i've never dated anybody since then it's not the biggest it's not even the worst breakup story i've ever heard in my life it seemed kind of like you broke with her or broke up with her kind of randomly yeah and the reactions though through the whole story i kept expecting the kicker to be that she committed suicide and something they didn't break up she she died or something but no or it's oh go ahead that he walked away from the relationship i thought you know when you listen to that conversation he's gonna say she was perfect we were like soulmates we're soulmates by the way (laughs) we're soulmates by the way because she likes uh the same movie as me and also she likes aerosmith a lot so you know you like uh one movie together and you like one band together Put a ring on it, dog. What more are you looking for? Now, um, I know. It is it is very adolescent, we'll say. Yeah. Perhaps freshman in college, that's all you need in life. It's just, you just need... At least he's talking about something real, I guess. If I'm going to give him a point, he's not like, what kind of fucking cereal do you like the best? What What do you think is the best chocolate bar? Yeah, he's you just know? trying to like keep his brain active and, and yeah. distracting from his own anxiety in those moments. So I kind of get that. I'm I'm a bit of a scatterbrain motor mouth too. So when I'm nervous about things, maybe that's why I podcast so well. Could be. Mm, so I thought the ending of that story was going to be, I cheated on her. Like, because, the, the, and it would just show that, because some guys that I know that are just consistently single, they're single because they just don't know how to not 
stray. They don't know how, like, even if everything's perfect and there's nothing wrong with their partner, they'll still fuck around on them just because, just because. Partially yeah. hardwired, but yeah. So that conversation ends. And one of the interesting things is that he will take a lot of moments to like, don't scratch at your face. You have frostbite. Don't do this. Don't do that. I mean, comforting her with her dog because she has this whole breakdown about her dog. It's not really about the dog. I, I'll give her, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that it is, it is just this aspect of, I have a life that I'm not going to get back to. That's really what she's, she's just afraid to die as I would be too. Yeah. Um, I would think about like, oh no, my, who's going to take care of my horror DVD is when I die. <laughs> no, if it's a death situation, I mean, yeah, you can have a passing thought about your pets at home, but I mean, they'll probably end up faring better than you. So yeah, that's like because right now the the concern is you, but don't you worry because Joe is going to become a man of action. Yes, he's going to do this again. He's going to do this this time for real, and I think it's a lot safer in the daylight, don't you? Man, not only is it a lot safer in the daylight, the, what he does it with. I mean, yes, I'm not going to say it's easy, but he does it with a level of ease that makes you think that they all should have just done this hours ago. <laughs> in a way, it's also desperation, I think, too, or yeah. maybe. Maybe he can't feel his hands anymore and makes it easier. Yeah. There, there's definitely a point in which you're desperate in a situation where you the things that you think bother you, you don't even fucking care about. I don't care that my foot hurts. I don't care that my leg's broken. I don't care that my fingers are bent backwards. I don't care that it's cutting to the bone. I will never let go of this fucking cable until I get to where I'm going. I mean, humans are hardy. Like, we have it in ourselves to overcome. And our bodies are pretty sturdy, despite uh, Dan's legs breaking like sticks. Yeah. Um, but the second he gets out on that fucking cable, what's circling around him? The wolves. They're and back. whether it's them being hungry or not, it's also probably pretty interesting <laughs> to the wildlife who don't see much happen around there. What's this foolish human doing? Now, it's not the full pack. It's just two. I would wonder if the wolves, knowing that there's still food up there, left two behind to see. And if and if more food drops, they call the pack. Could be. Or if some of them weren't in on the first feed because the lead wolves fed first and they're like the runs of the pack. Mm-hmm. And well, they're just waiting for the like the next round could be could very well be i don't know if they have that much foresight it's hard to say i really don't know enough about wolves is he gonna make it though is is joe gonna make it this time he is gonna make it he makes it look kind of easy and he will get to (laughs) he'll get to the other lift and then he'll ask parker he's got one ski pole left he needs it to be able to defend himself against these wolves once he gets down there now, and somehow, right before this, the ricketiness that you had mentioned that these things often exhibit has come true, and some bolts yes. have started fucking popping out, and the lift that Parker is on is starting to fall off of the cable. It's almost at a 45-degree yeah. angle at this point, and so she's got to do something. They've got to do something. Waiting out the wolves isn't going to last, and hopefully, Joe will be able to fight them off a little bit so he can get down the hill as long as he gets a snowboard yeah now he's not going to actually ride the snowboard i w- think it's because his boots won't work with a snowboard like that exactly and he could just not be a snowboarder too yeah i mean he could be used to having full control over both legs but that or it's way safer to just sit on the thing and ride it down there's a there's a theme in this film of bad tosses 
Yeah. yeah. And and Parker is constantly like everything from throwing her scarf down for her boyfriend to use as a tourniquet just goes into one of the trees that she should be really jumping down, sliding down and punching out wolves with. And then this, and then also even Joe, he's, he's got some bad tosses in this too mm-hmm. because it's windy, it's light fabric and it's things are a lot farther. Now, granted, she doesn't have her right hand. She was taking her mitten off of her right hand to light her cigarette. I'm just guessing she's right-handed. Now, that was the hand that was frozen to the bar. She has no skin on that hand. It probably hurts like a motherfucker. She's not going to, like, throw a ski pole. Uh, a deceptively light ski pole. I found them deceptively light. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she's throwing it with her wonky hand off of swinging loose chairlift that she's afraid is going to crash to her death any second. And, like, so I can get why she didn't throw it very well. But mm-hmm. it's down there. That's what matters, right? It's a weapon. It's close-ish, sort of, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, what help would a ski pole do against wolves that want to tear your throat out? Well, it helps a little bit, I guess. We don't really know. We'll find out, though. Yeah. <laughs> you look way too excited. <laughs> Joe will get down there. He's got a lot to live for. He's got a, a, a cute girl's phone number that he's partially memorized. Eight three zero seven eight six zero. Sweet. Let's give her a call. Okay. Um, he's he's got to go rescue his best friend's, I guess, ex girlfriend now. Yeah. And ex best friend because he's dead. Yeah. I mean, he probably wants to get away from her because she did a really big pee earlier. She did do a really big pee. I mean, he peed, and she thought that was gross. But she just pees right in her pants. Yeah, and he doesn't say a word. Well, he's asleep. Well, I'm sure he could have figured out what had gone down. You know, the, the the seat cushions that their neck, that it's it's one big cushion, and that was a lot of pee. It was a lot of pee. It would have soaked in and then just refroze. So now that cushion is half pee. Yeah, it's mostly, it's predominantly pee, this entire lift system, mostly pee. They don't, they won't tell you that, but I will. Yeah. Hey, Frozen, what are you afraid of? Why don't you admit about your pee chairlift? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I wouldn't have held it in. I would have just sat there and said, like, guys, this is happening. I'm sorry. And and take your clothes off and not risk getting them colder. I could not imagine that. That's yet another death sentence. I mean, I don't... Mm. Having wet, frozen clothes against your skin is it is just asking for frostbite and hypothermia. Oh, my God. But Joe hey, is whatever. not deterred, though. No. He's going to stab a wolf with a with a ski pole. Mm-hmm. He's going to yelp and go away. He's going to grab himself the fucking snowboard that they tossed in there earlier. And he is just going to scoot down the hill. And he's off, you know. The wolves aren't chasing him. But don't you worry. Because he's going to get down that mountain. And he'll be back any minute. Sure. We can't see what she sees. She's up ahead. And, like, she's higher up so she can see. We don't get to see what happens to Joe. But she yells Joe in a way that makes me think something not very nice is happening to Joe. Uh, she waits for a long time, though. So it's sort of ambiguous as to whether she saw anything bad happen to Joe or not. Or if he just went, like, sailing off over the dunes of snow and disappeared from sight. I mean, wolves were chasing him, but he was going pretty quick. So who knows? But she realizes, she gets the sense... That it is no longer, she has to get down. This chairlift is going to fall eventually. Yeah. She needs to try something. And so she starts to climb down and she is trying to do a modified version of you. She doesn't have, of what you suggested, she doesn't have 
equipment. She doesn't have, well, she still has her clothes, but uh, she probably doesn't want to make a rope about that. And also the, the risk of the wolves, but what jumping at this point now, much like she had foreshadowed earlier is a better alternative than just waiting there to freeze to death. And she doesn't know if Joe is ever coming back. Yeah. So now a bit of serendipity will actually be the best thing ever for this person because as she is crawling down the lift, there is some jangling, some wangling, some falling. The yeah. chairlift gives out and it drops. And I'm going to say it drops halfway Yeah, down. probably like 15 feet. And then like a safety cable catches. Yeah. And, and that almost, as scary as that would fucking be, I would think this is best case fucking scenario completely best case scenario and also though the weight the cables aren't really designed to be pulled like that so the cables are starting to break she jumps the lift will dangle for a little bit longer it will fall it'll hit her shin but good news even if it is broken it's not as broken as fucking dan's like no way and it's not even pinning her or anything. She just basically walks away from that. She has a little bit, like you said, a sore shin, but it's nothing like what the other guys have endured at this point. She's probably in the best position as well because we haven't seen a wolf for a little bit. They're busy. They're busy, you say. They're busy. Busy doing what? What do wolves have to do up there? Nothing, man. Eating Joe. Oh, yeah. They're eating Joe. Really, eh? They're really okay. just, they're, they're eating them so much. This is where we get to see the most graphic bits of the show. If you didn't think that the frostbite on the cheek and the hand skin and the bones protruding was, was graphic. Um, I think that they did a pretty realistic job of what a cadaver looks like. Out in the forest that is being eaten by wolves. Looks like they just ate his dick area. Like, his legs and an upper torso. All dick, these wolves. That's where they go. It's warm. It's the warm, tender bits. They go for your cheeks and face and throat and balls. Oh. Apparently monkeys do that, too. Uh, there was that woman that got her face and hands eaten by a monkey. Yeah. Uh, so. The genitals would have been next. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. fucked up. Called 911 in the middle of it. I think about that all the time. My God. I know. That would have been a call to listen to. Ugh. Yeah. The good news about Joe being eaten is the wolves are all... Tum-tums are full. There's even a wolf just sort of guarding the carcass, regarding her, like, Hello, uh, fancy meeting you here. I see that you're here to eat our carcass. No? Okay, then carry on. Yeah, well, other dogs are just licking their lips of blood... So it's a good thing that she tried to slide down this hill. And so she does. She just backs away slowly. Like rolls, basically. She is not ceremonious. The the wolves have no interest in her right now. Which which is what I was thinking when uh, Dan was initially getting eaten by the wolves. I would have thought the time to go is now. Sort of yes and no. I worry about blood frenzy. I don't know what sort of how big this pack is maybe they down four or five animals a day and eat a lot i don't know i would i would be pretty shaken up too but um i think the biggest mistake joe made was going fast because they chased him like a dog he chases a car they were like oh look at that thing go let's eat it it's running like a rabbit let's get it so she just slowly makes her way down the hill she's also injured and and totally exhausted and terrified and probably in a lot of fucking pain and pr- probably can hardly think and is starving and dehydrated and mm. everything. She's, She's everything. She oh, did yeah. do that big pee. Yeah, she did. So They haven't even like sucked an icicle. No, but they get, 
She gets to the road. First car misses her. Second car gets her. And you know, she's in a car and... I mean, he picks her up valiantly. He doesn't know that she peed herself, so, I mean... I can probably smell it. But the hospital's 10 minutes away. That's it. She's fine. She's safe. She's going to be okay. And then she just thinks about her vanquished by the wolves boyfriend (laughs) that she used to have. But hey, guess what, girl? You're single. It's time to mingle. Oh, my God, Wes. Vile. Vile. (laughs) A lot of cute doctors at these hospitals. Well, there are. You're right. Okay. Um, Yeah. She's got to deal with this frostbite and the skin missing on her hand first. I don't think that she's going to be that interested in dating right away. You know what? You just ruined all my fun, I guess. Also, the morning. Maybe some sort of post-traumatic stress. Who knows? Oh, you meant morning. I said morning. I'm pretty sure it's like (laughs) (laughs) mid-afternoon. But yeah, um, I don't know if dating is going to be the first thing on her mind. Well, then she's just she and I are just very different people. Yes, it's true. (laughs) It's true. She's blonde. She has no facial hair. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's very true. But yeah, all in all, uh, fantastic. And it's sort of just... It ends quite abruptly, uh, and I'm totally okay with that. I'm sure there was a lot of people that expected more or expected some yeah. sort of, like, maybe she got eaten that would make them feel better. I don't know, but I, I like it, and I like just, boom, the title card, Frozen, comes up at the end. I love when movies end that way. I love when you don't always need a real denouement on a story. You can, and this one kind of has one because you're in the car and you see she's going to be all right, and, and the guy's like, don't worry, the... The hospital's 10 minutes away. You're going to be okay. That's all you need. You don't And need- she thinks back to, back to when she was told twice on the chair left by both Dan and Joe that she was going to be okay. With yeah. Dan's, you're going to be okay, baby. And then I swear it's Joe's voice saying you're going to be okay because they both told her she was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Whether she believed them or not at all mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's just being told that again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and perhaps she'll have this moment like Anthony Hopkins in in the edge where the newscasters ask her how how her his friends died and he says they died saving my life which wasn't true at all in that film he was actually the one with all the know-how that was saving everyone and then they just didn't listen to him and that's how they died i mean Alec Baldwin was crazy in that movie too but in this case you, you, like she's probably just thinking back to these people died and she lived but they died trying to go for help first yeah. and and it was really only like like I said, real luck that she didn't die. If the she, there's no reason why she wouldn't have also broken her legs on that drop. Mm-hmm. But the chairlift falling, the timing of it, the way that it fell, that is really what separated her from that. And then the only reason why the wolves didn't kill her was because they were already eating. Exactly. A yeah. Joe. Mm-hmm. Fucked up. Fucked up. Good dark movie. I like the. The reason why I like these survival movies, things like Open Water, even Ryan Reynolds and Buried, these these endings are so powerful, I feel, because, nope. You have scenarios, you have hopes as the viewer. I mean, it's something that's almost unavoidable, even to a small degree, but to have those dashed, Mm. you know? Yeah, I like it. I I like that feeling. Uh, I, I enjoy this film because it is tense for me. Uh, I read that people were fainting because of all the tension in this movie. Mm. Um, I find that really hard to believe. Yeah, me too. I yeah. always Are find... we children? Like Maybe. Really? I've literally seen someone pass out in a movie before. So Really? Yep. Okay. Weird. Okay. Hannibal. Really? 
the brain scene. Oh, really? Are we children? Seriously? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, well, I mean, I guess they didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. From Hannibal. He's a goddamn cannibal. It's in the name. I know. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. They don't call kids. him Hannibal the fan of animals. No. No. Um, that's crazy. But, it yes, it's tense. It's doubly tense for me because it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's chilling if I want to be punny about it. And I know you do. Oh, yeah. Totally. I shivered through the whole thing. I did. Because it just makes me feel cold. He does that good of a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a big high five to Adam Green for making humans feel cold. Look cold. Mm-hmm. Really, really just just showing how the cold can really fuck us up as humans. Yeah. Because we act like we've conquered the elements, but the elements really make us their bitch. Yeah. Between the heat and the, and the cold and the sea, you know, those things we're barely built for. So what do we got next for them? Coming up next, we have a much safer story we're gonna go deep deep underground into caves with a huge group of kick-ass chicks and cave creatures oh yeah i guess we're not very well equipped are we (laughs) doesn't matter how many pickaxes you have you know match against the descent we have been meaning to do this one for a long time i'm pretty sure every time that we've brought it up you've had to check our list because you've you're convinced that we've done the descent before only because we've talked about it so much we do talk about it so much. It's one of the best uh, modern-day horror movies made. Uh, it's an incredibly gripping bit of cinema. I'm fucking excited as shit. It has a lot. It has man versus man, man versus nature, man versus creature. It's mm-hmm. got all sorts of crazy stuff in and it. And what I think you're going to like about it, best of all, is no snow. No snow. No snow. It looks nice and warm in there. There's some chilly parts, I'm sure, in those caves because they get to be a pretty constant temperature. But no snow. And it's nice and dark. Cozy. Mm-hmm. I like cozy. Mm-hmm. It would be a nightmare to some people who don't like confined spaces, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get a little anxious in in situations such as that. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm anxious to talk about uh, people who habitually like to go into caves and some of the footage I've seen and how I want to shake them and tell them to fucking stop with this shit. Especially because I like to, to read about stories about people who go into these caves, get themselves wedged into a thing, and then they're never, their body's never recovered, and that's the end of them. Uh, you like to read stories like I that. I like to read that yeah. because I like to read stories. It lids. reinforces the stay out of caves rule. It reinforces my, you know, want to know something? I don't go to foreign lands and get my head cut off or get lost in the fucking jungle because I don't go to those places. I just stay in my room all day and watch movies about other people dying when they try to be adventurous and try to live outside the bun. I mean, the box. Outside the bun. <laughs> Think outside the bun. Are you hungry, Wes? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I would I would suggest there's a short film up in the internet lands called Human Cattle, and it was filmed in Hamilton or slash the Amazon, and it has something to do with going to a far-off places and getting things cut off. It's great. I'm not super adventurous either, but I love people that go spelunking into caves and stuff like that, because, like, take a camera, take me with you. I'll live vicariously through these foolhardy creatures that make it in and out of caves. So I like it when they get back out and then go back into other caves. Like, I like seeing the footage or hearing the stories or knowing about these things. Um, Not related entirely to frozen but 
they have discovered a place in British Columbia in the middle of a very vast forest and a national park that no one has ever encountered before. No one has ever explored before. And it was astounding to me that we've just noticed this gigantic cave in the middle of British Columbia in the middle of a park. It's not even far north. It's kind of near the border. And it's this huge fucking cave that you can see from space, probably. And they nicknamed it the, the Sarlacc Pit because it looks like a Sarlacc Pit <laughs> the sky. But it's a place in Canada that no one has ever been to or explored. The Ministry of the Environment, I think, is who has taken control of this. They put a huge fine on people trespassing before they know anything about this area because no one's gone there before. They want to document and chart this and explore it and see. It doesn't look safe. It's a huge cave, right? And they don't want, like, daredevils to go into it. And they're going to work with the Indigenous community to see if maybe it's a ceremonial site or if people have, in fact, gone there that we just don't know about. And it's fucking crazy to me that not only we have places here that we're sure no one set foot on that we have still such a strong indigenous community that they very well could have had this secret from us all this time and i think that's a delicious idea but i cannot wait for some footage of the sarlacc pit so we can see the cave creatures if there are cave creatures there very well could be maybe that's why people stay away from it I would stay away from it if it had cave creatures in it, for sure. You'd stay away from it entirely, because it's a cave. I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air. <laughs> <laughs>